All right, kids, enjoy class. Boy, wasn't that fun? I tell you, I love uh, uh, Kendall is, is a joy. Sean brings her to the office at times. She runs into my, my office, and she just opens the door. She just smiles because, <laughs> like, I'm here, you know, and, and it brings such joy uh, to my life. I actually told Sean before that I think that's her spiritual gift is just to bring joy to everybody because she's just a blessing. God is good, amen? amen? Father, we're so thankful for today and the time that we get to spend in your word. Uh, Lord, what a great uh, time of worship, and we're so thankful that we got to participate in that. Lord, now we just ask that you would touch our hearts uh, today uh, with your gospel, with your truth, uh, with your words, that we can go out, Lord, and take that spirit with us and just apply it and, and transform our lives. That's what we want. Just lead us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Hebrews 11 today. I actually have a whole lot of scripture written down, but uh, we will only turn to a couple of verses. Most of them we will uh, throw up on the screen because there's a whole lot that I have to talk about um, today with this subject. This subject that we're going to talk about today is really near and dear to my heart. Uh, Morvin's talk really kind of with the offering really kind of fit it because most of us have learned by now that if we want something, it's going to cost us something, right? It's going to cost us something one way or another. And so um, we don't really get something for nothing, even though that kind of tends to be what the culture throws at us. I read this quote this week uh, by Francis Chan, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I wanted to share it with you guys. It says this, what would your church and the worldwide church look like if everyone was as committed as you are? If everyone gave and served and prayed exactly like you do, would the church be healthy and empowered or would it be weak and listless? I don't know if that convicted you like it convicted me, but I was like, wow. I mean, Francis Chan just has a way with words, and he's able to say things that it's just like, man, it just steps right on your toes, but you don't get offended. Typically, I get motivated by it. And so uh, when, when I read that, I was just like, this is super duper powerful. Because we want out of life, out of church, out of our marriage, out of our relationship with our kids, out of our finances, we really, really want to put off as little effort as we can, but get as much benefit as possible, don't we? And we know that most things don't work out that way. Isn't that true? I tell my kids all the time, like you can't expect to be the best baseball player in defiance without practicing. You just can't expect that. But those are the expectations we have. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a professional baseball player. You haven't practiced in weeks because we know that it costs us something. Now, let's, let's bring that back to the church. Let's bring that back to our home. You know, the church has some amazing benefits with accountability and growing together and the word and worship. But, but if you, like that saying, put in little effort, you get little out. And if everybody does that, man, we've just got problems. We've got problems. And it's the same with our home. And home can be frustrated, can it? See, I have five kids at home, and how many people know that five kids don't put in as much effort as the two parents do? It just doesn't happen. But that doesn't mean we have an excuse, does it? I don't stomp into the bedroom and be like, well, if my kids aren't going to try and clean up, I'm not going to try and clean up. That doesn't happen, does it? Because what happens then is the, the place never gets cleaned up. What happens is, is getting them to help clean up requires usually twice as much work, but we're teaching valuable lessons. That's what we're doing, and, and it's an effort. So we do that stuff because we know it's what it takes. And not everybody is on the same page. Not everybody is on the same level, but our hearts need to be. Isn't that true? Our hearts need to be that I am going to just, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, and it's not going to cost me nothing, 
because I'm not going to go before the Lord with nothing. It's going to be whatever I can offer, whatever I have to give. And so it's like this. I have these two questions wrote down. What do you want? What do you want out of your life? What do you want out of your church? What do you want out of your finances? What do you want out of your marriage? And what are you willing to do to get it? Because we know that it takes work and it takes effort. Now there's this word that's thrown around in the, in the New Testament and the Old Testament that we don't use that much, and it's this word, diligent. And I love this word. I don't sit down with my kids and be like, you just need to be more diligent. It's not a word that we use that much, but it's such a powerful and awesome word. And I have a scripture that I memorized when I was a kid that used this word from the New Testament. Now, it doesn't use the same version in the NIV, but I grew up memorizing the New King James Version uh, because that's what we use in our house. And it goes like this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the way I have it memorized. The NIV says he rewards those who earnestly seek him, which I still like it. It's the same type of thing. It's just fantastic, though, this idea that, listen, it's not about just a one-time deal. To be diligent has a specific meaning that it takes place over time. And I want to talk about this meaning, the meaning of this word, <coughs> excuse me, diligent. It says this, careful and persistent work or effort. Wow, that's good. Careful and persistent. Not careful or persistent, but careful and persistent work or effort. Now, I like that word careful because we all understand that if we're not careful, we can easily get distracted. Isn't that true? That if we're not careful, we can be going the wrong direction. That if we're not careful, we can get ourselves in big trouble. See, Andy Stanley has a saying in, in his book, The Principle of the Path, that he says over and over and over again, and it says, destination, or sorry, direction determines destination, not intention. See, we can intend to go a certain direction, but if we're not going that direction, we can easily get lost. And we have to be very, very careful. We have to be careful to make sure that we're going the direction that we want to go. That's what we have to do. My son just this week was heading up to, to Papa. It's um, Ruth's dad was doing an event at their church, and it was a big youth event, and he was participating. He was the security. He wanted Malachi to come and participate. So he invites Malachi. So Malachi's heading up there, and of course, he gets lost. Even though we gave him directions and stuff, he gets lost. And he's like over a half an hour late because he's lost. And, and, and you guys know you can be heading that way, and sometimes it's just simple as taking a right turn and you can get back on track. And we have to do that. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful all the time. The Bible tells us to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we have to be paying attention. We have to be, we have to be looking. We have to be paying attention. Because if we're not, we can get off on our own and we can be easily devoured. But then it has this other word careful and persistent. Because what, what we have to do is we have to continue on, don't we? I, I, I feel like when we get to heaven, we're going to see so many times that we didn't get our blessing because we quit right before we were to receive it. Because we gave up right before we were going to get our blessing. And how many of us have missed out on our blessing because we stopped two steps before we were going to receive it? That's just crazy. 
And we do it all the time. I just give up. I can't do it anymore. Well, I'm telling you what, man, it's careful and persistent. It's over, it's going to be over time. It's going to take time. Nothing comes just almost instantly. And we look for that. We long for it, right? How many of us, <laughs> I'm guilty of this, have put our kids in front of a piano just to see if they can just tickle those ivories well and we got the next Beethoven on our hands? Anybody do that? Or we go out and we're like, look at this kid throw the baseball. He's going to be the next Greg Maddox, you know? So we're excited about those things. But we know that that's just not, I mean, that's not, it doesn't happen just as a miracle. It's like you got to work. you got to put forth those, those efforts, and it's persistent, and then effort, you know? So it's time, and it takes effort. It's hard work to get it done, but we can. We can. And, and I want you to see this in Scripture. That's why I have all of these verses wrote down here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five in Proverbs, and then we're going to jump to the New Testament. We're going to read them real quick as Annabelle Rose, who's on the computer back there, throws them up. Lazy hands make for poverty but diligent hands bring wealth. How many people want wealth? Well, you have to be diligent. What does that mean? That means you have to be careful and persistent with your effort. That's what we have to do. So then, next one. Proverbs 12, 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. How many people like forced labor? I don't like forced labor. That doesn't sound like something that I'm longing for. But ruling? That seems pretty awesome right there. But the diligent will rule, and the lazy, they'll be cast off to the side. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. Next one, please. A slugger's appetite is never filled, but the desire of the diligent are fully satisfied. This is something that's fantastic, right? Because I know that there are times that we have put effort into things, and we didn't reach our goals but we have been satisfied. When I was in high school, I had the goal to be a state champion wrestler, which then my dad, you know, we, whenever we had goals, he would put like the goals on the ceiling of, of our bedroom, and so we'd get to see them in the morning, and we'd have little sayings throughout uh, the room. I actually have done that for uh, Malachi as well. Right above his bed is, is a list of his goals and uh, how he's going to achieve those goals, uh, and we did that together so that he can have those uh, with pictures of him wrestling. I, have the, I had the same thing growing up, and the whole idea behind that is we get to see him over and over and over again. But that was my goal. I want to be a state champion wrestler. So then we would practice and we would work. We were careful to do the things that we thought we had to do to make it happen. And we would practice during the week and three times a week after practice, dad would meet us up there, me and Adam and him, and, and we would practice an hour after practice just so we could put in that little extra effort to make sure that we were really putting forth what we could to do it. Now, I was never a state champion wrestler. But I don't look back on that time and have these massive regrets and stuff. I, I, I was fulfilled. I, I look back on it and think I worked hard for something. I didn't quite achieve it. But I still feel very, very fulfilled because of it. And I remember a saying that we had, one of them that, that was floating around, and there were many sayings. There was like, Noah didn't wait for his ship to come in. He built one. And so we would talk about work and effort. But one of those is, don't be afraid to shoot for the moon because if you miss, you're still headed for a star. And I feel that way, right? When you're diligent with things, you're fulfilled. I did the best that I could, and I'm thankful that I put forth the effort and was able to achieve the things that I was able to achieve. And I just want that type of thing for my kids. I don't expect them necessarily, of course, to be like professional athletes. That's not it. It's I want you to work hard so that when you go home at night, you can feel satisfied. 
I don't want you to be the one that is just like the, the, the sluggard, that is just all dissatisfied, that just lays awake and just, just feels lost. I want you to feel fulfilled and satisfied. And sometimes we don't necessarily reach the exact goals, but fulfillment comes anyways. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. New Testament, 1 Timothy 4, um, 14 through 16. Do not neglect your gift which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Don't neglect your gift, church. I think this is for you as well. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What a powerful verse. And that's in the New Testament. It talks to us about the gift that's inside of us. You all, we all have gifts inside of us, have strengths inside of us. We need to be diligent in using those for God's kingdom. And when we do, it says that we will both save us and our hearer. And that's what he's talking about with Timothy. And so it's powerful. Now, why are we talking about this today when we're talking about Elijah and Elisha? Because I love this ending of the story. Last week, Eli talked about how Elisha, when he was given the mantle of Elijah, he burned his oxen and said, listen, I'm all in. There is no plan B. I'm going right with Elijah. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he asks. And Elisha was a very, very wealthy man. So this is a big deal. It says somewhere in there that he had like 12 teams of oxen. That's not just some poor guy. He was in charge. He had 12. I mean, this is, a, this is a rich dude who's got everything you could ever want. And Elijah throws his mantle on him, and he burns his stuff and says, I am all in. Cool. That's awesome. So then he's following Elijah around, and Elijah asks him, what can I do for you? And he looks at him and says, I want a double portion of God's Spirit. What you have, I want twice as much. That is a bold statement right there. Because Elijah was a legend. He was the prophet in the time. And Elisha looks at him and says, I want twice as much. And Elijah says, okay, that's tough. That's tough. But if you're around me, when I get taken, when I leave this earth, you will receive a double portion. And that's an interesting statement because this entire time, Elijah is trying to lose Elisha. He's like, you wait here while I go over here. And he's like, not a chance. No way. Not happening. He's like, no, wait here. I'm going to go over here. Just wait this spot. I'm going to run into the city. No, I'm not leaving you. Now, there's a couple of things that I see in this scripture, right? When we read this story. One, guys, don't be afraid to ask for the big things. He asked for something that would appear to be, to the rest of the world at the time, impossible. Nobody can have a double portion of what Elijah has. Elijah was a legend. But Elisha says, no, I want twice. I'm going to do twice as many miracles. And he did it. And it's so interesting, too. If you read on, you see that Elisha uh, performs 17 miracles while he's still alive, and Elijah does nine and the 18th and final miracle happens after Elisha's dead. He's laying in the grave. They take a dead body and they put it in there and it touches Elisha's bones 
and comes to life. And that was the 18th one, which is double exactly what Elijah does. What a, what a, I mean, it's cool. It's just cool. So that's the part of the story. Don't be afraid to ask for the big things. But then, but then, when we are instructed, when we are told what to do, man, be diligent. And don't make the mistake of sleeping on it so that you will miss out on that double portion. I actually titled this message, A Double Portion and How to Get It. Because I don't know about you, but that's what I want. That's what I want. A double portion of God's spirit. You know, and I get, I get that opportunity here with, you know, my dad uh, starting the church 30 uh, some years ago, four years ago, getting to take it over. And that's my prayer as well. Lord, I want a double portion of your spirit. Whatever he had, I want twice as much. What is one man's floor is another man's ceiling. And I'm going to build on that, uh, hopefully, what, whatever God has given. I want it. But that means that you can't go sleeping on it that you have to be diligent, that you have to go after it because it's there. And I think God wants us to have his spirit and a double portion of his spirit. So we see that, how to get it. So don't be afraid to ask. Be diligent. Go after it. Chase it. And the last thing I have that we can learn from that story is don't give up before you receive the blessing. Don't, don't, don't pull out too early because the blessing is right there around the corner. So how do we do this? How do we be diligent? I wrote a couple of things down to help us along the lines because we know that direction determines destination. So we want to make sure we're going the right way. Prioritize and reprioritize. We have to constantly be listing and knowing what matters to us because if we're not careful, remember that word careful, something will easily pull us away and we will easily get distracted. One of the greatest gifts that God gave us is the ability to think and also the ability to rethink. That we don't have to be stuck in our path, that we can change direction, that we can go a different way and we can make a different decision, that we are not stuck where we are. And that's one of the things that frustrates me a lot because I get that a lot. I am stuck. You are not stuck. You might have to go a different direction, and it might take time, which is where that persistence comes in, but you are not stuck. You don't have to be stuck. In fact, the word preaches very much the opposite. Whom Christ has set free is free indeed, and you can live stuck, or you can live in God's freedom. That's kind of up to you. I think we should choose freedom, don't you? That makes sense. So prioritize and reprioritize. If we have something out of place, make a right turn. Make an adjustment. Do what you have to do to get it done. And you have to constantly do that. It might do us good if once a month we sat down and just reprioritized. You know what? I spent too much time over here and I'm going to make that adjustment. But that means also that we'd have to track those things, right? One of the best things I ever did was I started tracking my eating and, and what I ate. And boy, was that just, I mean, it was one of the best things and one of the worst things. When you track, when you start writing down, you're like, I just want to cry now because I didn't even realize all this stuff that I was doing. And you simply start writing it down and it changes things. And we're going to talk about that in the next series called Year After Year. We're going to talk about that a lot in, in how to make those changes year after year to live the way God wants us to do because it takes time. But I started tracking what I was eating and it was shocking to me. And I think because we have a, a finite amount of resources, right? We don't have unlimited funds. We don't have unlimited time. We don't have unlimited energy. 
You know, we don't have those things. So if we really want to, to, to accomplish the things that we feel like we want to, if we really want to have solid marriages, families, finances, churches, homes, schools, education, you know, even government and politics, then we have to be diligent over time. We just have to. And so when we're looking at that, we have to readjust, 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 readjust. And I think most of us would be shocked if we were to make those lists, if we were to track those things. Because I hear all the time, man, I love my family and I love God. Have you read your posts on Facebook? Because neither of those are ever mentioned. So if those are your priorities, why aren't they mentioned? And, and, and that's just something that we could talk about, right? All day long. Because we get that. I love my family, but you're spending all your time over here. You're talking about these things. You're doing this. And, and we need to constantly prioritize and reprioritize. I spent too much time on that one. The next one, don't procrastinate. These are very important to me because I think we learn these things over time and they really make a big difference in us. Don't procrastinate. That's a big one for me. I hate this subject. Anyways, if we put things off, oftentimes we miss out on them. We do. One of the things that I have learned, and, and my wife actually compliments me on now, she didn't earlier, but oftentimes she'll forget something. Andy, I forgot my makeup bag at home. Can you bring it? And I'll be like, yeah, 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 I'll bring it. And that's what I'll text her back. And then I'll go back to doing what I'm doing. And how many people know that I forgot the makeup bag? And, and, and that happened a couple of times. Um, and then the beating started, and then I stopped. I did, yep. Because, I mean, the bruises were just too much. Anyways, so that's what we did. I, I started realizing that as soon as she texts me, as soon as she texts me, I'm going and putting it in the car. I'm just going to do it. And that's not brilliant, but it certainly has saved my back and my face from, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not brilliant, you know? It seems obvious, but it just radically changes things, doesn't it? And, and if we could learn to not put things off, if we could learn to get it done right away, oh my gosh, it could make all the difference in the world. So don't procrastinate. Remove distractions. Remove them. Remove them. There are, there are things in our lives that can become just, they can take over our lives. Once again, if we're not careful, they will distract us from what God has for us and we can be going a different direction and we will end up not at our destination. And, and that's just a problem. We don't want to do that. And so we have to constantly remove distractions. And I, and I really mean remove at times because we, we, we flirt with some distractions a little bit here and there and then they take over and we didn't even see it coming. There are times that we just have to remove things. And that's not everything. You know, I, I've talked with guys over and over and over again because I, I believe hobbies are good. I, I have hobbies. They get my mind off of things and, and I enjoy them and I, and I love it. But we have to be very, very intentional with those just like we do everything else. Because if we're not, boy, they can really take us over. Now, when I first got married and in our relationship and then we started having kids, you know, I had several things. I had a, you know, a a Mustang and a motorcycle and I golfed and you know all anyways you guys understand I played softball and was gone most of the weekends uh, Malachi arrived and then Annabelle arrived and uh, Ruth all of a sudden was like overwhelmed and I had to make those adjustments and and it's awesome now because I look back on it, I didn't even see it happen I didn't a lot of th things just happened because I had a great example growing up and so I made those decisions just because I had great examples at home and it, was in, it, it wasn't even that hard of a decision. 
but I gave all, almost every one of those up. I mean, I golf now and I play fantasy football. Those are my hobbies. And when people ask me, hey, are you ever going to own a motorcycle? I don't know. I might. But right now, it's just not even a possibility. Because I found myself going to softball tournaments and going on motorcycle rides instead of spending time with my family. And if I were to prioritize and reprioritize, my family was more important. Therefore, I just rid myself of the distractions. Let's get rid of them. Let's sell them. Let's move on. Do the things that we can do uh, to make it right. And I think there's always that adjustment that needs to be made. Because all of us can get easily get in to those distractions. The next one, organize. Oh, organization. That's brutal. But if we organize, and that's what I was talking about before, boy, it can really make a difference in our, in our priorities and what we're doing. Uh, guys, uh, once again, tracking things, making sure that we're intentional with things, it's just good. It's just good. I, I try and be intentional with my rest, with my naps. You know, try to be. Try to be. Don't, don't make it all the time. But intentional with, with that. Intentional with practices. Intentional with the things that I want to accomplish. Intentional with working on our marriage and going out on dates and having those conversations. Intentional uh, with the kids. And, and, and it's important. So that means that if we're going to be intentional, we have to organize. We have to have schedules and systems. And, and I hate that word, but I felt like I had to use it today. Organize. The next one is accountability. Accountability is huge. You guys know that, that uh, you know, I don't allow the people at the church here to work without accountability. I have four pastors with me, and every single one of them meets with me for an hour every single week, and we go over four things. We talk about what are you reading in your Bible? What are you reading or listening to outside of that that's helping you grow? What are you praying for, and have you had any breakthroughs, and what are you working on? And those four things come up every single week, and we talk about them for an hour. Some people, an hour. Um, some, it goes pretty quickly. Others, we will sit and just talk because we just get rolling on stuff. Oh man, I read this and it was so good. And so it's just, it's one of those things that's just great. But it's accountability because we know without accountability, we can get distracted and things can easily slip. I am held accountable. I meet with somebody and I get asked those questions because I know that without them, there are mornings that I will get up and be like, eh, I don't have to do that today. I don't need to read my Bible today. I can skip it today. I don't have to listen to something. I don't have to, to, to learn today. No, no, no. Somebody's going to ask you. They're going to ask you. And it's terrible to go in there and go, yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It's terrible. But when they ask you and you're like, oh, man, yeah, I read this and this, and these are the points that I pulled out of it. Oh, my gosh, you just grow. So accountability is is huge. And the last one I have down is, is we have to learn to manage our time and energy. We have to learn to manage our time and our energy. Because mostly it, it's energy almost more than time now, isn't it? And the older I get, the more I realize that my energy is just, it's limited. It's so limited. A couple of weeks ago, um, I decided that I was going to, in the morning, I walked 18 holes of golf, which turned out to be about nine miles of walking. I have a tracker, so I get to track Nine miles of walking, I went home, I ate a sandwich, and then I went to three hours of baseball practice. I paid for that for four days. Four days. Four days of recovery. And it's like this, you got to learn to manage your energy because that six hours right there or whatever, just, just, I mean, you guys know this, and some of you are even in worse shape than I am, which is a sad story. Anyways, but it's tough. It's tough. you got to learn to manage, you got to learn to manage your energy. I wrote this statement down because 
after hearing Francis Chan and what he said, I, I asked myself this question. Well, it's not even a question, it's a statement. Imagine a church where everybody wanted a double portion of God's Spirit and were as diligent as Elisha to get it. Could you imagine that? You see, one, we don't even look at it as like priority or goal. You know what? Double portion, that's never even came into my mind. I never even thought of a single portion. And two, you know, I haven't put forth the effort to get it. And I think to myself, what would the Church of Defiance, what would Family Christianity, the Church of America, the Church of the World look like? If every one of us said, listen, I want a double portion of God's Spirit, and I'm going to go after it. I am in holy. I'm going to burn my oxen. I'm, there's no plan B. I'm going after it, and I will not give up. You can't get rid of me. No, I'm going to be here because I'm looking forward to my double portion. Boy, it would transform our world. Father, we're thankful for your word and your truth. Lord, I ask that you will lead and guide us as we continue to dive into your word and try and discover these things. And Lord, we want to apply your word and your truth to our lives. We don't want to be just a hearer of the word only and not a doer, but we want to be hearers and doers moving with your spirit. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Pastor Andy said, what would it be like if every person said, I want a double portion of God's spirit? And so um, I'm big on, you know, um, acting on the word. And so I just want us all to say, God, I want a double portion. Let's say that again. Say, God, I want a double portion. That's good. And so, you know, maybe you may leave this place and you may have thought of not saying that. And so now we all acted upon the word that we heard this morning. Amen. Amen. So maybe you're sitting out there this morning. You said, you know what? I just said I want a double portion, but I don't have any portion of God right now. I've never received Christ into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. In a moment, we're going to pray and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that question and receive Christ into your life. Or maybe at one point you lived for God, but, you know, for whatever reason, life has drawn you away from him and you want to come back to him this morning. I'm going to ask a question also and give you an opportunity to bring your life back in alignment with what God has for you and see his anointing, see his power work in your life. So I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment of privacy. And so if you're out there this morning, you would say, Morvin, I don't know God. I don't know Christ, and I want to receive him into my heart this morning. I want to ask you to slip up your hand. We're not trying to point anyone out. I see that hand. We just want to pray with you. Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else? Receive Christ for the first time. Or if you're sitting there and you would say, I once lived for God. I once was going with what I believe God's path was for my life. But I've gone away from that. I want to come back to Christ this morning. I want to give my heart back to God. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see those hands. Anyone else? Anyone else? On either two questions, again, I just want to ask, first time receiving God or just rededicate this morning? Anyone at all? Well, I'm going to ask us all to say this, repeat this prayer after me and um, receive a fresh anointing from God into our lives. And so say, Father, 
I come to you right now and I ask that you forgive me. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for me. And because of what he did, I am able to be called a child of God. I thank you, Lord, for Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for accepting me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give these people a hand who made this decision. That's powerful. And so uh, we're going to have the prayer team come forward. If you prayed one of those prayers this morning and, um, you know, maybe it was your first time or you're rededicating, the prayer team wants to, wants to pray with you. They want to help you in your new walk. They have some materials that they want to give you um, that will help you on your path with Jesus. And so that is very important that you make that step. Um, also, it's just important that you tell someone what God has done in your life today. Everyone else, I'm going to ask you to stand. We do have a welcome center out in the uh, foyer. If you have questions about what's going on at the church or you're new here, we definitely want to meet you and talk to you there. But I'm going to have you right now turn around, shake hands with two people, and tell them you'll see them next week.